I want to thank you for being here. Um, we're going to start a new series here uh, the, over the next month, and it's an I, I'm thankful for series. Um, we've, been, we've been asked to, to talk about certain things that we're thankful for, and, and over the next four weeks, you're going to see uh, several individuals talk about what they're thankful for. And this morning, I'm going to talk about what I'm thankful for in the standard, that I am thankful for that standard. Um, we're also going to cover next week, I'm thankful for accountability. And the following week, I'm thankful for mentorship. And then the last week, we're going to look at I'm thankful for leadership. And so when, this morning, when we talk about I'm thankful for the standard, first of all, we have to recognize what the standard is. I didn't grow up in church. I, I came here just because mom and dad moved here in Texas, and we just wanted to go to church. That's, that's the only reason why we went. Just They thought it was a good idea. And when we moved here, we began to do Bible studies. We began to realize that the Bible is the true Word of God. And there's evidences, historical evidences. There's reasons why we know that the Bible is real. And I'm thankful for that. Uh, so Jesus tells us in John chapter 14, verse 6, Jesus says unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father but by me. This man, Jesus Christ, claims that he is the way, the truth, and the life. So that tells us that there are no other ways. In Romans chapter 14, 15, verse 4, the Bible says, For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we, through patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. These things were written down in this book, the Holy Bible, were written down for our learning so that we might have hope, we might have an opportunity, we have an option that we must exercise, we have a duty and a responsibility that, one, we attain hope. And we have that through Jesus Christ our Lord. Those things were written down for us to learn, for us to study, for us to attain that hope. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, the Bible says, But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. And so we have to follow this word. We have to understand that this word is true and that this word is accurate and that we live by this word, that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. You know, people like to claim that the Bible is not reliable, that it was written by man and that we can't really rely on things that were written by man. And I want to tell you this morning that I am thankful that these things were written by man because, one, it wasn't just men writing things down that they thought. It was eyewitness accounts of events that happened in real history. We look at history books today. Guess what? Those things were written down by man, weren't they? Were they not? How do we know that George Washington was the very first president? It was written down by man. It was recorded by man. If we're going to throw out the Bible because it was written by man, then we need to throw out every other book that we've ever studied because they were written by men too. That's a poor excuse. In, in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16, 16, the Bible says, For we did not follow cleverly devised tales when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. But we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from the God the Father, such an utterance as this was made to him by the majestic glory. This is my beloved Son, who I am well pleased. And we ourselves heard this utterance made from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. So we have the prophetic word made more sure, to which you do well to pay attention as to a lamp uh, shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. But know this first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will, but men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. I'm thankful for the, the standard this morning. One, because it was written by man. But two, because these were not just writings that people just made up. These were 
eyewitness accounts of Jesus Christ. Eyewitness accounts of supernatural events that happened in history. And we have not only biblical texts for that, we also have outside biblical texts that we could look at. I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time on that this morning. But I want you to realize that these things were written by men, and they were, not, they were written by men on real things that happened in history. And we have books all over our, in history, science, math, written by men. And I'm thankful that it was written by men, because those men were challenged. Those men had to have faith. Those men had to believe in what they were seeing. When you saw a man's withered hand be restored back to full health, when you saw a dead man being raised from, from, the, from the dead, alive again, when you saw illnesses, men who weren't able to be, men that was never able to walk, men that couldn't speak, men that couldn't see, all those things, supernatural events that happened were eyewitness accounts of what happened. There's a, a Christian apologist, he writes it this way, the Bible is a reliable collection of historical documents written by eyewitnesses during the lifetime of other eyewitnesses. They report supernatural events that took place in a fulfillment of specific prophecies and claim that their writings are divine rather than human in origin. Second Peter tells us that they, these individuals were eyewitnesses of Jesus Christ. They were there. They saw it. Not only those there, but the people who hung Jesus Christ, they were also eyewitnesses too. They said that, we ought to know this, that the prophecy of Scripture is not a matter of one's own interpretation, but that it was an act of human will, not just an act of human will, but that men were moved by God. Inspired word of God. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that the Bible is not just a collection of documents that were just thought up. You know, people like to say that there, there are uh, contradictions and things in and, 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 and the Bible. And I will tell you right now, there are eyewitness accounts of what really happened with individuals. We have the Old Testament. We have the New Testament. We have the Old Law. We have the New Law, New Standards, the New Way to Live, New Principles. All of those eyewitness accounts of what happened. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful we're not just following some book that was not true and accurate. Guys who pro proclaim Christianity wrote these things down as they saw them. We also have guys who don't claim Christianity that were eyewitness accounts of Jesus Christ. Josephus, other scholars, or other individuals that were there in the lifetime of Christ. This morning we're going to look at these things, why I'm thankful for the standard. And there's a, there's a bunch of other things I'm thankful for the standard. But these are the things I'm going to talk about this morning. I'm thankful for the standard because the standard teaches us accountability. And this is going to be next week's topic, so I'm not going to spend too much time on these next, two point, or next three points. But I am thankful that this, the Bible teaches accountability. In Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, the Bible says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burden, and so fulfill the law of Christ. I'm thankful that the Bible teaches accountability because when we're overtaken in a fault, I have people here that are willing to step up and say, Michael, let me help you. I see that you're struggling with this. I have a, a close relationship with some of my friends here. They know my weaknesses. My wife is able to restore me when she knows that I'm troubled with something. I'm thankful because you know what the Bible tells? It tells us to help each other in meekness and gentleness. That we can hold each other accountable. That we can assist in a time of need. 
I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for the standard because the Bible, or because the standard teaches about mentorship. Proverbs 27, 17, the Bible says, Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. I've had a lot of mentors, and I have a lot of mentors to this day. Because when we work together for the cause of Christ, and when we put heaven as our goal, we sharpen one another. We hold each other accountable. We help each other get to the destination, and that's ultimately heaven. I want to go there, and I want all of us to go there. And the Bible tells us how to go there by holding us accountable and by providing a way, a, a standard of accountability and mentorship. Proverbs 9 verse 9 says, Give instruction to a wise man and he will yet be wiser. Teach a just man and he will increase in learning. And I'm thankful that the standard, the word of God teaches about mentorship. Because people can hold me accountable and people can lead me and help me make decisions and help me decipher what decisions I need to make in life, how I need to live uh, from uh, getting paid at my job or how I can hold to a higher standard, be a peculiar people, stand out in the community. I'm thankful for that because I have mentors here today that have helped me walk this walk. I'm not doing it alone. And I'm thankful for that. And the Bible teaches that. I'm thankful for the standard because the standard teaches about leadership. It teaches about leadership at home. What a father's supposed to do to his wife, or what a husband's supposed to do to his wife, and what a father's supposed to, how a father's supposed to treat his children, how a wife is supposed to submit unto her husband, and how, how uh, the wife is supposed to lead her children, and what the wife is supposed to look like in the town and in the village. I'm thankful that the Bible teaches about leadership at home. We're not just talking about how a man leads the, the home. We're talking about Children leading other children. We're talking about wives leading their children to God and to the biblical principles while the father's at, at work working. That they're working together. That they've become one. I'm thankful that the Bible teaches about that. I'm thankful the Bible that teaches about leadership at church. How we have a, a system, if you will, of leadership over spiritual things. We have a system of leadership over physical things of the church. I'm thankful for that because we need spiritual and physical aid. We have individuals out there to preach the gospel that they've decided to, to, to go and work and, and work the vineyard and, and, and go and, and support and, and help those, and, and instructing those, equipping the saints. I'm thankful for that. Thankful for the Bible that tells us about leadership in home and leadership at church. I'm also thankful that the Bible tells us about servant leadership, the most, the, the, the biggest example of all, Jesus Christ, came here not to be served, but to serve. That he laid his life down for us. The ultimate example of servant leadership. And I'm thankful because I want to be like that. You know, I'm thankful for the standard because the standard teaches about equality. And what I mean by that is we're all in the same playing field. Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. First and foremost, without any other title, guess what? We're all sinners. All of us. There's not one in here that hasn't sinned. You and I are alike. And I'm thankful that the Bible puts us all in the same playing field because guess what? When hurting souls hurt, we've been there. We've experienced sin. We've experienced fault. We've experienced uh, financial issues. We've experienced sickness and health issues. We've experienced emotional issues. We're all the same. You know, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, the Bible says, So God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. 
You know, God made us in the likeness of His own image. And we're all sinners. The very first thing is, we're all the same. You know, when I started coming to church, you know, a lot of people, I've visited with family members, I've visited with other individuals, they don't like to go to church because they feel like people judge them. I want to tell you, if you're here this morning, you feel that way, I promise you, I've sinned. You know, there was a time in my life I came to church and I worried about what other people thought of me because of the sin I had just committed that was very public and very well, very well known. I was, I, cons- I was concerned about that. I felt like everyone looked at me and judged me. And really, people were there encouraging me, wanting to me to stay on the straight and narrow, to live a life of forgiveness, a life of sacrifice. You know, the Bible teaches equality that we're all sinners. They were all made in the image of God. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for the standard because the standard teaches about love. It teaches that God loves His creation. He created a perfect creation and, and, and that creation ultimately turned away from Him. But God still had love on His creation. John 3, verse 16, the Bible says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoso believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You know, I'm thankful that God gave His Son. Because had He not done that, I would not have a hope in heaven one day. I would not have an advocate with the Father. I'd stand here before you, a sinner and a man that had no no help for eternal salvation. Romans 5, 8 says, But God commended His love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know, God sent His Son to this world, and He said, You know what, world? I created you, you were perfect, and you went against me. But I see that you need a Savior. You need someone to take away those sins from you. I will help you. I will reach out to you. I'll provide you comfort and spiritual peace. And I'm going to send you my only son. And he's going to die on that cross for your sins. And your sins are going to put him there. I'm thankful that the Bible teaches about God's love. I'm thankful that the Bible teaches about the love of Jesus Christ. Galatians 2.20 says, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. You know, it was one thing that God sent his Son, but it's another thing that his Son listened to his Father. And I'm thankful that Jesus had enough love on us People who sin against God, His Father. People who sin and fall short of what the standard is. And Jesus says, you know what, Father? I'll listen to you. I'll go save your people. I'll die for them. I'll be whipped and scourged for them. I'll be placed on a cross for them. I'll do it, Father. It's your will, not my will. I'm thankful that Jesus had enough faith in His Father, but had enough uh, courage and love for us that he was willing to die on the cross for our sins. John 15, 13 says, Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Are you a friend of Jesus this morning? He calls you his friend. He laid his life down for you. Have you laid your life down in the watery grave and been risen and walked a new man? Are you his friend this morning? 
I'm thankful that he had enough love for us to die on that cross. John 15, 9 and 10, the Bible says, As a father hath loved me, so I have loved you. Continue in my love. For if you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. And I am just, I'm just super thrilled, super thankful, the fact that Jesus Christ loved us enough to listen to his father and to die on that cross for my sins, because I did not deserve it. We did not deserve that. I'm thankful for the standard because the standard teaches about love in marriage. And the world will tell us how what marriage is or what marriage isn't. How, uh, what constitutes as marriage or what doesn't. And I'm thankful that the Bible has, a, it tells us what marriage, a love in marriage looks like. Genesis 2.24, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. You know, I'm thankful that the Lord has a standard that I am to love my wife, and we're to be one flesh, that a man marries a woman, and those two shall be one. I'm thankful that, that it teaches us about love in our marriage. In Ephesians chapter 5, 25, the Bible says, The husbands love your wife, even as Christ has also loved the church, and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. You know, we're to love our wives as Christ has loved the church, or, uh, that it should be holy and without blemish. We're talking about a love that surpasses annoyances. We're talking about a love that surpasses any frustrations. We're talking about love that has no blemish. And I'm thankful that the Bible tells us how a man ought to love his wife because Christ loved the church as a man that loved his wife. And if I don't love my wife the way the Bible tells me, why did Jesus die for me on the cross? Because we're to live and love our wives like, the, like Christ did for the church. And that was without blemish. And I'm thankful that the Bible tells us of what love is in marriage. That I am first to provide for her as Jesus first provided for the church, for you and I. And I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that we have an example, that I can follow something. I can follow a standard and says, this is how you ought to live. This is how you ought to love your wife. Colossians 3.18 says, Wives, submit yourselves on your own husbands as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. You know, it's a teamwork effort that I am to love my wife and she is to submit unto me and we are to work on uh, supporting one another. If I serve her needs, she serves my needs, we're both happy every time. And if I decide that I'm going to fulfill desires of myself or focus on whatever I want to focus on and she focuses on whatever she wants to focus on, guess what? Neither one of us will truly be happy. I have to make sure and provide and, and, and verify the fact that I am supporting her needs, emotional, spiritual, physical, whatever those are. And if I'm focused on her and she's focused on me in the same regard, guess what? We're both happy. We're both following the standard. We're both one. Submitting unto herself, or submitting herself unto me and me loving my wife and being not bitter against them. I'm thankful for the standard because the standard teaches love and parenting. It does. 
The Bible says in Proverbs 13, 24, He that spareth his rod hateth his son, but he that loveth chasteneth him betimes. You know, I'm thankful that the Bible talks to us and tells us that we ought to correct our children. And I'm not standing here before you to tell you how to do that. But what I am telling you is the Bible does talk about that we are to correct our children when they are wrong. Don't spare the rod. If you do that, you hate your child. Instruct them. Correct them. It's important. Colossians 3.14 says, And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. You know, one thing that I consider whenever we're disciplining our children, we don't want to do it out of frustration. We want to do it out of love because it binds everything together. You know, I can correct my child, and there are times that I've corrected her, my, my, my Nevaeh, since she's the only one really old enough to correct, but when we correct our children, we ought to do it out of love. And we can say we love, but we really need to show the love. There is a reason for correction. It's not because mom and dad are frustrated and annoyed. We can get there. But we need to do it out of love, because love binds it all together. You know, the correction that was sent for us was a Savior who died on the cross. And what did He show? He showed love, right? We ought to show love when we're correcting our children. We were corrected. We were, uh, we were purchased with blood by the Savior. And I've seen the opposite, where rods have been spared, correction hasn't happened, or when correction did happen, it didn't happen out of love seen it. I was eyewitness of that account. It doesn't help. It doesn't help to not correct our children. It doesn't help to not love our children through correction. Let's follow the standard that the Bible has for us. I'm thankful for the standard because the standard teaches love for the church. In John chapter 13, 34, the Bible says, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you have also loved one for another. By this shall all men know you are my disciples, if you love one another. One of the things that I think is very fundamental for us is love for the church, love for the brethren. First and foremost, we're all sinners. We're all made in the image of God, yes. But when we come together, we ought to love one another. And I'm thankful for that, that I don't have to come to a place where people just hate me. I come here because we're together and we're loving each other, holding each other accountable, standing in the gap for each other because we have love for the church. We have love for a greater cause than the annoyances and frustrations of ourselves. And I hope we feel that way this morning. I hope that we're thankful for the standard because the standard teaches us love for the church and how we ought to love each other. Through all the painful things, we love each other. First and foremost, I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for the standard because the standard teaches us direction in life. It teaches everyone direction. Colossians chapter 3, verse 23, the Bible says, And whatsoever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord, and not unto men, knowing that, ye, that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for if ye serve the Lord Christ. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done, and there is no respect of persons. You know, one thing that I have to remember for myself is that I have to do everything that I do as if I was doing it unto the Lord. That means in conversation, in thought, in actions, whatever I'm doing to a stranger, however I'm conversing with an individual, whatever I do, I'm doing it as if I'm doing it unto the Lord. And if I do that, I'm rewarded. You shall receive the reward of inheritance. But if you do wrong, you'll receive 
wrong what you have done. And I have to remember that whatever we're doing, do it as unto the Lord. That's all of us. No one excluded. And I'm thankful for the standard because the standard tells us how we ought to live, how we ought to do things, how we ought to do it unto the Lord. In Proverbs 16, verse 9, the Bible says, A man's heart devises his way, but the Lord directed his steps. Does the Lord direct your steps here this morning? Do you follow his ways? Because he directs you. You have to follow that direction. You know, there was a time in my life where I sought counsel for something I wanted to go do. And I was advised against to do that. My heart was already set on it. I can go call brothers and sisters in Christ and I could seek counsel. My mind was already made up. It was. I knew I wanted to go do that. I I knew I wanted it. And so I went and did it, even after I sought counsel. Guess whose steps I followed? Guess what direction I followed? Michael's way. The Lord directs his steps. Does the Lord direct your steps in your decision-making? Because a man's heart deviseth his way. It's deceiving. Your heart will deceive you. And part of what we, when we talk about direction is everything we do, we ought to do it under the Lord and follow the Lord's will. And sometimes it's hard to know what the Lord's will is. We have to take a step back sometimes and realize that our heart is going to tell us what we want to do. And it's not right. And sometimes it's hard to say, okay, self, I'm going to ignore you. I'm going to do what the Lord wants me to do. And part of that is listening to instruction. Part of that's listening to godly counsel, to your leaders at your church, to a a, a friend who gives godly counsel. I think of individuals in the Bible when they go to their friends and their friends tell them, listen, you should be hard oppressing on, on on your kingdom. You should tax them heavily. You should be a really hard ruler on them. And then the other council says, you know what, just go easy. Your people will follow you. And when you listen to bad counsel, bad things happen. And sometimes it's hard to, to, to divvy all that up or to, to really see it through the mud because it can, get, it can get foggy. But when we literally take a step back and we analyze our options, we analyze what we're wanting to do, what we're wanting to accomplish, and we take in all the godly counsel, sometimes it's easy, or sometimes it's hard to say no to your own desire. But follow the Lord's way. Follow His steps. You know, there's, there are people that uh, I've counseled with and, and, and studied with, and, and they want to do it a certain way, and, and, and they don't recognize the fact that there are people that have given instruction before and said, if you do this, guess what? It works. You know, I listen to a podcast nearly every day, and these individuals call this, individ- this other man, and they say, listen, I, I am buried in debt. I have so much debt piling up. Well, sell, the, sell your motorcycle, sell your, sell your fancy truck. Well, I can't, I can't do that. Well, live on less than you make. Well, I, I, I want to enjoy life. I want to go to the movies. I want to go out to eat. I want to do all these things. Well, do you really want to change? You know, these individuals call this guy who is, who's financially stable, and he's telling them this works, and these, thing do not, these things do not work. They're not willing to change. They don't want to listen to the success of another individual. And that's sometimes what we do on another level. 
So we want to go and we say we go and ask for counsel and we want to go follow the Lord's way. We want Him to direct our steps, but we don't want to listen to the counsel that was given to guys who have been successful in it. There was a time I've gone to talk to Ty. I said, Ty, I want to go do this. Why can't we do this? Because, Michael, you've got to remember, it's not about you. It's about the Lord's way. And not that whatever decision I was trying to make was going to be glorifying for me, but I have to take a step back sometimes and I have to look at the bigger picture. And we have to do that when we make decisions. Yeah, I want to make this decision. I want to go do that. I want to go to that place. I want to have that vacation. But what does that ultimately do? Bigger picture. I have a family, a wife, and kids I have to worry about in their future. I want to provide for them more than I ever had in my life. Most importantly... I want them in heaven. And any decision I make, I must have the fact, or I must keep in mind that the Lord is directing our steps. That it's not just about me. It's about my kids going to heaven. It's about my best friends and my fellow church members going to heaven. My coworkers that sometimes irritate me going to heaven. Because the Lord directs my steps. Do you feel that way? Do you care about going to heaven? Do you care about your coworker going to heaven? Let the Lord direct your steps. Let the, door, the Lord direct your decision making. I'm thankful for the standard because the standard teaches direction for the youth. 1 Timothy 4.12 Let no man despise a youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. You know, Paul's telling Timothy to not let people despise his youth. Now, I don't know how old Timothy was here, but if you consider yourself youthful, be an example in word, in conversation, in, in love, and in spirit, and faith, and purity. There's a charge to young folk or to whoever considers themselves young that we are to be an example of these things to everybody. You know, there are people that don't believe that young people can be wise. And that's just not, that's not true. There are people that believe that only old people are wise, and that simply is not true either. There's biblical evidences that older people made foolish decisions, and there's evidences that younger people made wise decisions. And so just because we're young or old doesn't make us less wise or, or make us not wise and, and, and or wise. Now, speaking generalities, a young person can be foolish. They're learning. They're babes. But then we have older people who can show an immense amount of wisdom. When we're looking at the youth and growing and training, remember to be an example in the word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, There is no temptation taken you, but such as common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able but will, with the temptation, also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. You know, if you're young this morning and you're caught up in something that you shouldn't be caught up in, there's a way of escape. There's a way out. And sometimes that way out is humiliating. Sometimes that way out is, is tough. And I promise you this morning, you look through all that, you want ultimately to serve God and have Him direct your ways, you'll find that escape, you'll see it, and you'll just make it happen. 
I'm thankful for the standard because the standard teaches direction for adults. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11, the Bible says, When I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. And there comes a time in our lives as we reach from childhood uh, to a, a maturity and we become an adult, we must put away childish things. And sometimes that's things that children actually do. But sometimes that's things of, okay, it's not about me. It's not about me depending on someone else. It's I've got to make life happen. I've got to go make life happen. I've got to go work. I've got to go make things happen. And sometimes we find ourselves where we just, we just want to sit back and we just want to be as a child and we, we don't want to do anything. We don't want to work. Paul says here, when I was a child, I spake as a child, I understood as a child, and I thought as a child. That means that when we become an adult, we must speak as an adult, understand as an adult, and think as an adult. That's what that means. Have you put away childish things? Philippians chapter 3, verse 13, the Bible says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth into those things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Jesus Christ. One of the things we have to do as an adult, we must not look at the decisions or the bad things that have happened. What we must look on is look unto heaven, pressing on to the things that are before us, pressing on to Jesus Christ our Lord. That's what we have to do. We must press on not sit back. We must move forward, not sit idly by. Giving up childish things, but moving forward unto Jesus Christ and, and unto heaven. Are you working? Are you diligent in your work? We must move forward, not backward, or not sit idly by. I'm thankful for the standard because the standard teaches direction for parents. In Proverbs 22, 6, the Bible says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. And, and I love this, love this verse. Because we train a child in the way, we train him Bible or her Bible, they'll not depart from it. They'll know those words. But a lot of times our training, our, it's good training, or it can be good, and hopefully they don't depart from that. But guess what this also is saying? Train up a child in the way she go. If you train them not good, guess what? They won't depart from that, that evil or that sin. You want a child to, to learn love and mercy and forgiveness and grace. Teach them love, mercy, forgiveness, and grace. But you want a child to be uh, irreverent. You want a child to not listen to authority. You want a child to not have respect or love for someone else. Show that child disrespect, unlovingness. Show that child irreverence. Because when they get older, they won't depart from it. You know, we, we sometimes want that child to respect us, and we want that child to not lash out or backtalk or whatever. How do we show that to them? Because you train that child in the way she go. If you're yelling at the child, guess what? That child's going to grow up yelling at people. That's what happens. Train them how they should go, and they will not depart from it. And 2 Timothy 2.15, Study you shall thyself approve unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. What we ought to be doing as parents is that we ought to be teaching our children to study, to be approved unto God, rightly applying the word of truth. That we sit them down and we say, I love you. Let me teach you the word of God. Let me help you. Let me train you so that when you get old, you won't depart from it. That's our responsibility. That's our, that's our job. 
And I'm thankful that the Bible tells us about a standard, how a parent should love their child, how they should correct their child, how they should train their child. And I'm thankful for that. And when we don't do that, it'll destroy. When we follow our own devices and we follow our own will and desire, we train those children to follow their own desire. We try to train that child to follow their own devices, their own think-sos. We should have a spiritual backing on every decision that we make with our children. That they study to show thyself approved unto God, not being ashamed, rightly applying the word of truth. Are you doing that with your children this morning? Or in your life? With this morning as well. But I'm thankful for the standard because the standard teaches forgiveness. It teaches us forgiveness of sins. And I'm so thankful for that. Colossians chapter 2, verse 13, the Bible says, And you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. You know, I'm so thankful for the fact that I, I know all the things that I've said, done, and thought. Pure and unpure or impure. I, I, know my, I know my failures. I know my shortcomings. But those things were nailed to the cross, taken away, blotted out, washed away. And if you're here this morning and you recognize that you sin, you recognize that Jesus Christ died for your sins, you too can be white as snow. You too can have a clean slate. We're all equal. We're all sinners. Recognizing that you have sinned and recognizing that Jesus Christ died for your sins and believing in that, be buried in baptism so that when you rise out of that water, you're a new person. You're forgiven. You can move on. You can live for Him and get to heaven. Acts chapter 3, verse 19, Repent ye therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, and when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And I'm just super thankful. I've made my fair share of mistakes. I have. I have failed you. I have failed my wife. I have failed my children. I have failed my Lord. I have failed. But Jesus said, Michael, let me do it. Let me take it from you. Let me die for you. My blood will cover you. Will you accept it? Will you accept that gift from Jesus? I'm thankful because the standard teaches forgiveness by forgiving one another. Matthew chapter 6, verse 14, the Bible says, For if you give men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive men not their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. I'm thankful because, you know what? When I come to church, I don't have to worry about people forgiving me. Because we have a duty and responsibility that we have to be forgiven, and we have to forgive others. I'm not saying there's a level of we need to go talk it out and make sure that we apologize. And There's an element of that I understand. But first and foremost, we ought to have a spirit of forgiveness that we forgive our brothers and sisters who have had fault against us, who have been contrary to the will of God, who have offended us. We, the offended, ought to have enough responsibility and forgiveness and love for that individual that we forgive them. Because if we don't, our Father won't forgive us. That's our responsibility, the one who has been offended, to forgive other people. I know there's a, there's a lot into it that, that should happen. I get that. 
Let's forgive each other. We're here to love each other. We're here to get to heaven together, right? Let's forgive one another. Luke chapter 23, verse 34 says, Then Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And I have to remember that sometimes when people make mistakes and people come at me crossways or, or whatever happens, they offend me. I have to remember that Jesus looked down at those people. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And I have to remember sometimes someone may offend me. Someone may do something to me or say something about me. Father, forgive them. They may not know what they're doing. They may not fully understand what's happening. They may be looking at a decision that I made and they think the, the worst. Perception is not always reality. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And I want to have that forgiveness that Jesus had looking down at his creation, saying, Father, let's forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Do you have that same forgiveness in your heart? One of the last things I want to talk about in forgiveness is I'm thankful that the Bible teaches that I must forgive myself. You know, for a long time, when I committed a sin and I found myself in a jail cell and I came to church, one of the things that I had to get through was that I had to forgive myself. It's okay. But I had to forgive myself because when I came to church, I thought everyone looked at me, look at this guy, he's the thief. We can't trust him. I'm not saying there's an element of that as a consequence. I'm not saying that, that I shouldn't have felt that way. But a year or two down the road, there comes a point in which one ought to forgive themselves. Let me show you what the Bible says. Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, the Bible says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. You know, one thing that I have to remember when I'm talking about forgiving myself, reading this verse, these are the things that we ought to be thinking about. We ought to be thinking about things that are true and honest and just and pure and lovely and of good report. Those things I should have thought about. And maybe you're here this morning, you come to church and you think that people are looking at you and your sin. I'm going to tell you right now, we don't, we don't look at you that way. Because we're all on the same playing field. We're all sinners. We have all failed our Lord. Let's all think of these things, not think of the things we've done. We're changed. We've moved on. Let's get past it. I know it's hard. I've been there. Forgive yourself. There's one thing to forgive yourself and move on. You must fill that void, that gap, that, that desire with something else. Let's think about heavenly things. Let's think about just things and true things and pure things and honest things and lovely things. That's what you have to fill that void with. Or you'll backslide into pornography or uh, uh, thievery, theft. You'll backslide into lying or fornication or adultery or whatever the sin may be. You will slide back into it if you don't fill that void with something else. Let's think of those things. Let's forgive ourselves. I'm thankful for the standard because the standard teaches restoration. 
uh, it tells us to walk a new life. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6, the Bible says, As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk ye in him. And Galatians chapter 5, verse 24, the Bible says, And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. I'm thankful that the Bible teaches restoration because I was a man who was not forgiven. I was a man who walked life because I cared about myself. But I was buried with him in baptism. I've been forgiven. I rose a new man. I walk a new life. And I'm thankful because I walk in the Spirit. Let us also walk in the Spirit. I'm thankful for the standard because the standard teaches us restoration and having a renewed heart. John chapter 14, verse 1, the Bible says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That's where I am. There you may also be. And whether I go, you know, and the way... You know, I'm thankful because Jesus says, you know, have a renewed heart because I'm gone to go prepare a place for you, a place that cannot be touched by man, a place that I'm going to build for you. And, and I'm looking forward to that construction. I'm looking forward to seeing what Jesus has prepared for me. I've built many a building. I think I've built buildings that have looked great from the outside. We built it with integrity. We built it with truth. We didn't cut corners. I'm very happy with the buildings that I built, but I'm looking forward to the day that I get to see what Jesus built for me. I'm looking forward to that. Are you looking forward to that? Are you understand that the Bible teaches us about restoration, that we must walk a new life, that we must have a renewed heart? Because he's gone to prepare a place for us. Let us, let us be changed. Let us be restored. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6, the Bible says, So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is renewed day by day. Is your inner self being renewed day by day? Are you taking every day on with positivity? Are you starting another day? Monday, I know, is tough. But you take on Monday and you're like, I'm joyful for this day. I get to go to work. I get to teach kids. I get to go uh, stay at home and be with my kids. I get to do whatever you're doing. Teach choir, inspect homes, chop down logs, finances, whatever you're doing. Are you thankful for the day that the Lord has given you? Let us be renewed day by day. I'm thankful for the standard because the standard teaches us accountability, mentorship, leadership equality, love, direction, forgiveness, and restoration. I'm super thankful for that. But I'm thankful most of all because the standard teaches me that I'm going to heaven. And maybe this morning you don't know if you're going to heaven. Let me show you one verse. Matthew chapter 7, verse 21 says, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter in the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. This morning, if, you're not, if you don't know if you're going to heaven or not, guess what? You know if you do the will of the Father, if you follow his standard. That's how you know. That's how you know you're going to heaven or not. Have you done the will of the Father? Maybe you're here this morning and you've not obeyed that gospel, that form of doctrine. Maybe you don't know how to become a person that's going to heaven. Let us help you. Let us study with you. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you've heard the word, you believe in him, you confess his name, you recognize that you ought to have a heart of repentance, be baptized. Die. Be raised and walk a new man, forgiven of sins. Maybe you're here this morning and says, you know, I've, I've done those things. I've committed my life unto the Lord, but I have failed. I've not recognized the authority of God and how thankful we are to have that standard. I have not recognized it. I've not done the will of the Father. I've, I've slid backwards. I need help. It's not a walk of shame coming up here to sit on the front row for prayers. It's a walk of humility. It's a walk of Jesus. 
And Jesus invites you to come forward.